Hi everyone, I'm Elaine Vargas, founder and creator of Life Against the Current. In this podcast, you'll hear stories and truths of incredible people who have gone against the current of traditions, societal norms, opinions of family and friends, or even a boss's suggestion in order to achieve their goal. Unfortunately, there isn't a guidebook for all of our nonlinear decisions, but there is this podcast to acknowledge and empower you to do things you want to achieve, regardless of how unconventional it may seem to others or maybe even to you. I'm going to begin this episode by asking you, our listeners, two questions. First question, what's a sacrifice you've done for your significant other? I'm going to give you a few seconds to think about that. Time. (laughs) My other question is, did you challenge any societal norms with this sacrifice? Hugo stays at home bonding and caring for his kids so his wife can pursue her career. Many women have done this throughout history, but Hugo Torres has taken on this role and hasn't let societal norms confine him. Hugo, thank you so much for being on this episode today. I am super excited to hear your story. So am I. Um, it, you know, it's, it's very nice to ha- connect with somebody on Twitter, to actually have an exchange, to coordinate a, a time for us to get together. And, and here we are. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I love it. I love the power of social media. So tell us, what is your life against the current story, even though I gave a little bit of a hint? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I think that, you know, a couple of the the ways that I, I I do things differently is that my parents were very conservative. They were Latino, Mexican, Catholic. uh, And also as immigrants, when we came to the U.S., um, they they, there was a lot of culture shock to them. They were not trusting of American society, and they were very worried that we were going to be influenced in a negative way by a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the liberalism, for lack of a better term, that they yeah. that they saw, you know, in America. Um, and I think with that, the, the problem that caused with that is that we, they and, and us, the kids, we didn't really have a good dialogue. We, we didn't really talk about the things that I think are important for, for parents to dialogue. Everything was taboo from, uh, from sex to money to relationships uh, to anything that, you know, the, the things that I wish that, you know, that they would have been there to teach me about. Right. They were subjects that were not available to discuss. And, and I think that that meant that for me a, a lot of the research that i've done a lot of the uh, a lot of the education that i've received has been my me being proactive and going out there and looking for answers and i've been lucky in, enough that i've actually found what i think are positive answers but i think you had you could have gone either way at one point you, right. know, you go out there you look for things and you you, you run with the wrong crowd and since you don't have anybody to really converse with, you might start being influenced by, you know, bad things. So I think ironically, by my parents not being a conduit of information, you know, they put, they put me in a precarious place. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I had enough foresight and, and I happened to have met a terrific, you know, woman partner where we, we've lived a life, uh, life together that has put me in the right track. And so I'm certainly not perfect. Um, she'll tell you that I'm not perfect. <laughs> but... I think I lead a good, meaningful life because 
I've gone out there and sought my own answers and, and really contemplate about what this experience of life means. Yeah, especially because when you and I come also from a very Hispanic background, the way you were raised is the way that you see life. And I think once you disconnect from that, it's like, holy crap, what is it all about? You know, was you start questioning the things that your parents taught you and you start making a life of your own, which is sounds what you did. Yeah, most certainly. I, I, I'll say that. I mean, I don't want to sit here and vilify my parents and say that they were terrible people. They weren't. They were right, just right. very, they, they, they were extremely cautious of, of the world around them. And I like to think of them as hobbits. You know, they like what they <laughs> like. They don't like to go on adventures. And, and I got that gene that I wanted to be out there and experience things. And, and unfortunately, that meant that for a good chunk of our life, you know, I'm close to my mom now, we just didn't see eye to eye. Um, and, but there was a point where uh, we just didn't speak. Uh, and we never thought that we would ever get back to a place because some terrible things were said between my parents and I because, they, because I made choices. And, you know, you, you get to a point where, well, it's our way or or, or, or the, the highway, highway. Mm-hmm. and I chose and I chose the latter, and again it worked out. But during those five, you know four or five years that we were estranged, those were difficult because, as much as I can carp about my parents, you still want to be loved by them, and you also want to make them proud. You want that feeling that that you know that you're not letting them down in the world. Right. So yeah, I mean I, I think that's and that's a lot of what I do in, in my podcast. Uh, and, and I don't know if that's part of the questions later. And I know that, that there's an agenda, but I think that's uh, what I've what I've decided is that I have a lot of stories to tell. I have seen many different things, and I'm still yet to see a lot. But to take the experiences of my youth uh, as again being Latino or you know being in business at a relatively young age and having people not trust you because because they see a baby face and, and, and not trusting in your skills or, you know, like you said, uh, you know, changing careers, uh, you know, in my late thirties and, and becoming a stay at home dad and, and, and dealing with the societal norms that, you know, that are being challenged when you do that. Um, and also, you know, being a husband and, and having that dynamic of my wife is the one that goes to work and she's the primary breadwinner and I am at home and I'm in charge of the the home economics here and in the places where I succeed and the places where I fail uh, right. and, and also that component of being a parent now and seeing where my parents were maybe weren't so wrong and also seeing how the, what my parents did if I do the antithesis I think that I'm in a better place and so I contemplate all that. I think about that all the time. And since I need to talk about it, podcasting became so easier. And, and listening to the stories of others like you and your <laughs> co-host, you know, it, it just speaks to me because it, it makes me feel like I'm not alone. And yes, there's, there's stories to tell that other people can learn from and hopefully not fall, you know, be, be, get into those pitfalls that can, you can easily fall into. Exactly. And I think with some life choices that we make, life in general, we need, you know, advice and we need others to relate to us. But I think especially in our decisions that don't have a straight line, that don't have a guidebook, that don't have that a podcast doesn't exist. You know, I made this medium for that. And I'm so happy that you found it relatable because lots of people are doing things that are extraordinary, that are not common, that are very untraditional. And they don't know that they're doing the right thing or not. And a lot of people even tell them that they're not. 
So I am really, really happy that you're, you know, doing your podcast and speaking your voice and having others listening to you because it can also shine some light on them. Yeah, no, no, 100%. And, and again, that's why these opportunities are welcomed and I cherish them. Uh, and uh, I, I would be lying if I didn't say that I like the sound of my own voice. And so <laughs> since, since my wife has heard it all and she knows I'm full of it, I ra- you know, she says, rather <laughs> go bug other people. <laughs> she sounds very fun. She's, she, she is. And, and you know, in, in that sense, you know, we, we're very complementary to one another. We've been together now 20 years. I've known her half my life. Uh, we met when we were 20. We're, we're in our early 40s now. And I have, in a sense, grown up with her. And our relationship started like many do, uh, you know, hot and heavy. And then you go through the challenges of being a parent or, or dating, breaking up, building an economy together uh, as a unit you know, jealousy, uh, you know, what's going to happen with careers, then you have the kids and and all of the questions of how we're going to raise them. And, you know, when we first got together, we, she told me, I don't want any children. She was adamant about that. She was, she was certain about that. And I was okay with it. Because, I mean, I was in my early 20s, like I said, and who's, I wasn't thinking about children. I was just thinking of getting out of the house and having some fun. (laughs) And then, you know, 10 years go by and she, and she's, now we're in our thirties and she had to come to grips with her feelings of wanting to be a mother. And, you know, she's German, so she's very stoic, very, you know, self-assured. And and so for her to have that conversation with herself of, I know that I've said for the last decade that I don't want any children, but I'm having these feelings and I need to express them. And then to talk to your partner and let them, and let him know, I, I, I want to be a mom. And, and I had realized that I was completely okay not having children. I had set up, uh, we had set up our life never to have them. And all of a sudden she does. You get to a point where it's a, it's, it's a, it's a real rubber meets the road kind of deal. Because yeah. if, if she wants children and we don't have them, then it's unfair to her. Right. But if we have children and I don't want them, then it's unfair to me. And, and so for a good six months, seven months, our, relationship was in that in that state of limbo where how are we going to proceed on through and and it's not the first time that our marriage has been tested it's been tested throughout the years because marriage that's what happens during the course of a lifetime together but right that was probably one of the hardest situations that we had to deal as far as what how where are we going to go from here so how did you guys reach that point of throwing the white flag let's decide let's sit down and let's talk about it what we're going to do well, it's soul searching on, on both ends. I mean, she was pretty sure. I mean, like I said, I've, I, she is in that sense, um, once she sets her mind to it, she was, she was sure that she was going to do it uh, or that she, that she wanted this. And, and, and again, I don't want to make her seem sound cold, but if that meant that she and I were not going to work out, I think we were prepared to take that step. Now, luckily, we never got anywhere clear that, near that, but I think that it was a big drive enough for her that, 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 that she would have been okay walking away and, you know, but we didn't. As yeah. far as I was concerned, again, it took a long, it took a long time for me to a, get my mind around the fact that we, that she wanted to do this. And, and, and I, I won't call it switch and uh, bait and switch is I understand that people evolve through time and what you, what your priorities are in your twenties are not going to be your priorities at 30. So I never faulted her for that. Right. But I had to really look at who am I? What do I want to be? What is the, what are the real issues? Or, or, or did I just 
postpone thinking about this because I never thought that I would have to have that conversation with myself. And when, it, when I distilled everything, it got to the fact that my father and I had a terrible relationship. And I don't think that, I, well, at that point, I had never dealt with those issues. And so what I was concerned with was continuing that cycle. So in a way, you were afraid that kind of history repeated itself? Yeah, that, that I was going to continue that cycle. My dad was physically abusive, not just towards my mother, but oh, towards wow. us, the children. My mom doesn't have all her teeth because he hit her with the butt of a gun and knocked them out while we were watching. He was drunk. Uh there in and for us having the belt you know you know being belted by him was a common thing um so there was emotional abuse there was physical abuse there was verbal, verbal abuse and is this is already being here in the united states this was throughout this was throughout our our childhood i uh, you know started you know for us from you know, age 10, I start having the first memories of real difficult physical abuse. Right. And it remained all the way until uh, I was about 18 and I moved out, you know, with, uh, with my girlfriend who eventually yeah. became my wife. And, but what I was always afraid that I had inherited that gene or that violent streak. Right. That, or, and I was, cons- and I certainly would not ever want to pass that on to another generation. I know that my father had been abused himself, you know, because that's, you know, he was born in 1935. You know, Mexico in, in the 1930s was a completely different world. And, and he was a tough kid and mouthy and, uh, and he was reprimanded heavily. And, and, and that's what he learned. And he passed that on to me. And I wanted to break that cycle. And the easiest way to break it is not to have any children. Right. To not even go into that water. Right. You know, because we all go into it, I think, well, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But in the midst of having kids, you learn things about yourself, your, your better instincts or your, and your worst instincts. And I certainly did not want to fail on the job. You know, I, yeah. I was fine with it being theoretical. But once you have them, then you have to account for yourself for everything that you do. And, and I did not ever want to get to a place where, where I would harm my kin. Right. And, and so I did a lot of um, soul searching on that. Like I said, you know, it probably would have been wise to have seen a counselor, but that wasn't something that, you know, that, that I had access to. You know, it was, a, it was not something that I did. It was just a lot of thinking and, 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 uh, and reading about, you know, how to deal with that kind of thing. And it eventually... I had to have a conversation with my dad, who was still alive at the time, about what he did and how that impacted me. And I needed to have some type of resolution with him. Wow. It, wasn't a conver- it wasn't a conversation that he was okay having. Right. Um, there was a lot of resistance. Um, and I know that on his end, there was never an apology or a reckoning of any type, but I knew that I had had that conversation with him. And at least from my end, I had exercised my feelings on the matter. I had voiced them. And I think from that point on, I thought, you know, I felt like, well, I'm also an adult now and I, I, and I have free will and I can, and I can choose to make a, you know, better different choices. Right. And I will also always have, my father as a baseline of what not to do. 
if I, at least on that end, because there's a lot of other things that, you know, because people are complicated. My father wasn't a monster. He was just a complicated person who didn't know in certain ways better. Right. Absolutely. Uh, um, but I could always look at his, uh, or, or what he did in, 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 in some, in, in, throughout life and think, well, maybe I will just need to go about it the opposite way. And so in that sense, I found a certain uh, silver lining from, from all, from all those terrible things. And, you know, if, if I'm, you know, it's given me the opportunity to write pages and pages because I'm a, I've been a writer for a long time. And in the way that, and I, and I tell these stories again, this was before the age of podcasting. I would always tell these stories or I would blog about them because I wanted them out there. I wanted the evidence or the, you know, for people to know that, they, that yes, this occurred, this happened, but it doesn't have to limit you. It could or define can, you. Yeah, definitely. And so, well, that's a long-winded way of saying I I had a reckoning with the situation, and uh, and and I still there are times. Um, and again, that's why I'm glad to have the audio, you know, the the, the podcast uh, um, option of when when some things happen with my son, with my daughter, or when my wife and I are not seeing eye to eye. I think about it about in the it. process. And yeah, and, and it's been extremely helpful. And, and who knows what I've always told when I myself when I started the podcast is that maybe nobody will hear this, nobody will ever come across it. But one day, my kids might. And if let's say that I were to go, you know, if I, my demise came sooner rather than later, then at least that they would have some type of written or audio version of who their father was. Right. And it might give them some insight on who they might want to become. And so anytime that I put anything on social media or on the podcast, I always, I'm always mindful that this is, all of that in combination will be evidence that my kids can look back at and think, okay, I can piece back together more or less who my father was, just in case they don't have me for a long time. That is, it gives me chills just thinking about that because it is, it is really powerful. And I also, I also think it's a great medium for them to get to know you a little bit better. Once they get to the age where they, you know, you're still here, but once they get to the age that they're able to comprehend your words, they can reference that and just, you know, I think really put two cents into who you are with your, with the work you've been putting out, right? Oh, most certainly. One of my, one of the challenges that I had when I was a teenager that a lot of teenagers have, and especially boys, I think, is that we know everything or we knew, I knew everything then. And uh, my parents, they just didn't understand or they didn't understand how it was here in the U.S. And, and this is a new generation. We're, we're not like you old fogies. But I now that, that again, like when I as I get older, I realize, man, I was really full of it. <laughs> and so in a lot of different ways. It, but, in a, but I'm going through that now. There's a lot of times when I'm having a conversation with my son and he is so self-assured, which is a wonderful thing to have. My, I have always believed that parents are meant to be conduits of information, that we're supposed to pass on information to our children, not hold it back from them. You know, age appropriate, of course. Right. But, but you know, I built up this great confidence in, in them both. But sometimes they hit me with, oh, I know that. Or they don't say it. But they hint at, oh gosh, you're you're just out of it, old man. Right. Yeah. And and I have that realization of of one day, guys, you're going to realize how foolish you were 
and I will have a recording somewhere <laughs> that you can revert back to where I get to laugh and say, I told you so. That and is so, so true. <laughs> that's me being petty. <laughs> no, it's so true. Like there is so many things that my mom still t- tells me to this day. I told you so. You, and I'm going to say it in Spanish, no me escuchaste. You didn't hear me. You didn't listen to me. So, yeah. And they will understand and they will thank you eventually. Trust Eventually. <laughs> eventually. eventually. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that, those will be great moments. You know, I, I have kid about the I told you. So I think it's more of, I've, I've, I, am, I can't say that I'm friends with my kids. I am, ex, you know, I, I think I'm a, a pretty terrific dad, but I'm, old, but I'm a parent first. And so a lot of the times my wife and I make decisions for them that they uh, don't agree with. And for the most part, my, they're not high maintenance kids. So, the, you know, but as, as they get older, I know that there's going to things that they're going to, they're going to want and desire uh, that we may either may not be able to provide or our personal morals and ethics won't allow us to give permission to. Yeah. And we're, and we're going to have those, um, we're going to have those issues eventually any relationship between people has that but my hope is that one day we will be friends that my children will actually want to spend time with me as a counsel as or, or you know just somebody to bounce ideas off of anything like that and that all of this you know relative pain that, I, that I'm feeling as when I have to say no or when I have to give a lecture or yeah. when I have to scold or anything that eventually the payoff will be there and and I know that it can happen because I, I've been lucky enough to have role models from uh, you know parents of a, of a generation where they are friends with their kids and it doesn't have to be as adversarial I think as television and media presents teenage years, right. I think that you can m- navigate through those years with openness and dialogue and be a parent and not erode a possible friendship with your children. How old are they now, if you don't mind me asking? My, I have a teenager at home, and then the, the youngest one is two years less than that. So I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm 24, so maybe I can give you a little bit of insight. Sure. Once they get to the age that I am at, I, I'm not going to say that I never saw my mom as a friend. I did always see her as a friend, but she, I wouldn't tell her everything. There was a line, but moving away. So I, they live in Florida. I live in Washington State. And I tell you, I don't go a day without talking to my mom. And I talk to her about things that I never in a million years thought I would be talking to her about. (laughs) For example, they're very traditional. My parents are also very Hispanic. My mom is Nicaraguense and my dad is Dominican. And for the longest time ever, they always said, you leave this house con velo y corona. That basically means married. Mm -hmm. And you will not leave this house to go and live with a man if you're not married. Fast forward that I am now living with a boyfriend that we're not married. And it has been a, uh, let's say, an adventure with my dad to be able to get him to understand my decisions and my life choices. But at the end of the day, he knows that I'm, and I'm pretty sure you can also agree that I'm his daughter. You know, he's not going to shun me for my life choices and he's always going to be there for me because that is the way they, I think 
parents should do it. Just be there for your children. No matter like, obviously, no bad stuff and life choices that they make, like no drugs, obviously. But, you know, ultimately, I'm not a bad kid. I'm not a bad daughter. I have proven them over and over that. So they trust me enough that I know that my life choices are okay. So I love talking to my dad. Like I said, I talk to my mom every single day and I tell her things that fairly, she's my best friend. She knows way more about me right now at this point than any of my closest friends know. So it'll get there. Just wait a couple, like 10 more years. <laughs> right. No, and, and, I, and I appreciate that. And, and like, like I said, those are the things that's, you know, that kind of input does give me hope. And, and I think that's great to hear also from the concept of, I think people have misunderstandings or, or, or just outright, outright um, ignorance of what Latin families are, what they can be, what the relationships, how the relationships can form. I mean, and it, it sounds to a certain degree somewhat traditional, um, mm-hmm. you know, but people don't think, well, oh, really, that's the way that they are. No, they can. And we can't have those conversations. And we're just like everybody else. Right. Um, and, and I think that's important to, to, to know and to realize. And, and I mean, I, I always appreciate, you know, when I come across successful people or, or in, and also folks that are in the process of making their way through life. Uh, I think that's what resonated to me about, you know, the podcast that, you, that, you, that you've shared and, and your own personal stories that, that you have shared on there about your, the, the struggles and the challenges and the successes that you've met at such an early age. And yeah, at the end of the day, I'm so glad to hear that your parents, although may not agree completely because that's just not the way that they were brought up, mm-hmm. but that they can still realize that they, they, they implanted enough good seeds in you to trust you that you know what you're doing. And that's powerful. And I wish to a certain degree, at least with my father, because my mom's still around with us and, and, and we're close now. Um, but I wish that my father and I had been able to overcome, but we just, we just ran out of time because he passed away. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about culture. How has culture played into effect? First of all, culture in many different ways. So you are Hispanic and your wife is German. First of all, whoa. Second, how has the roles shifting from you staying at home with the kids and then her working? So talk to me about a little bit about what she does and how that's been, especially in, in this culture of being Hispanic. Yeah. Um, you know, for whatever reason, I've always, and I, I'm sure if you look at my, the stuff that I post on the Twitter machine is that I've, I've always been very emotional, uh, very sensitive. That's part of one of the things that my dad loathed about me is the fact that I was, I cry very easily. I might cry by the end of this podcast. <laughs> um, and, and, and my dad was an extremely macho guy. I mean, to the point of yeah, being overbearing. And so that was a big clash in this is he, he ne- you know, for him and, and, and I'm going to use the swear word, but him, me being a hotel was, Oh my gosh, don't you. Dare. What's a hotel? Well, fag, you know, would be, the, oh, okay. you know, in, which we don't use anymore, but my, that was my, my, anything that was gay or my dad perceived as gay was you stay away from it. I don't want to see it. I don't, I, I don't want to know it. 
in my dad was very traditional in that way. I'll give you a quick story. I went down to get milk at the at the local store, and for whatever reason, whenever I get flushed, my lips turn really, really red to the point that people think I wear lipstick. And so I came back uh, with the milk, and I I told my dad, "Hey, the guy at the store told me that I look pretty because of the lipstick, lipstick," and and I and I thought it was funny. My dad went and talked to that guy. Wow. About how dare you? They weren't to the point of fist fighting, but there was an altercation. Those, any kind of infraction like that was huge to my dad. And so I have never been that way. And when my wife and I, well, yeah, when she and I met, uh, we were in college both, and we kind of just settled into this rhythm that we are in a you know, obviously passionate. So I, I, the words that I'm going to use is going to make it sound clinical, but that we are in a partnership. That we, as if we are going to continue through life together, that we are going to do it as a couple and that the, the decisions, the big ones that are need, need to be made, they are not going to be made unilaterally. Right. Both of us have to come together for better or for worse. Um, you know, we, have, we, we make them together. Um, I have friends, divorced friends who always joke of, well, why do you have to call your wife and ask her about, you know, when, when you know you're going to do it anyways? And what I've always told them is that my priority is for her to, for me to be able to communicate with her what is going on in my head and what decisions I think need to be made. Not because I can't make them, but because we are, because, but she needs to be in the know. You guys so are a team. Right. You know, it's, we're not, I'm not doing this because yeah, it's 100%. And so, and, and also that this concept of male, female, you know, other than sexy time. Yeah, of course it's needed. <laughs> but when it comes to you know, living a life with somebody, if you're so stuck on these are the roles of one versus the roles of the other, that is going to be a very limiting life. And so my wife have done this kind of dance over the course of the last 20 years where sometimes it's, it's averaged out that every five or six years, one of us ha- takes a turn at flipping the script. So, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom for about five years. My career and my goals and myself as a person changed, and I wanted to explore something else. So she went back to work and, and, and started working on her, on her career, and I stayed at home. We've done those kind of role reversals several times through our relationship. There has never been, for instance, a, uh, oh, well, I need, to be, I need to make more money than you do, or, or I need to have more degrees than you have, or I need to have the better job. No, it's at the end of the day is how are we getting our bills paid? And are, you know, are we taking care of the home front fine, regardless of who has to do the job or the work? Right. And we have found that to be, and we arrived at organically, but I think it's just her yin to my yang, that, that, that ability for us to say, whatever we want to accomplish in life, it gets accomplished much easier when we both go into it with open eyes and we have a conversation. And if we get rid of all of the, uh, you know, all that gender stuff, it's irrelevant to grow, you know, to, to making decisions about how to run a household. And so, yeah, when I came here, um, I had to deal more with my own issues of what's masculine, what's feminine than her ever thinking, Oh, well, you know, you're less than because you're not working. Right. 
And from my end, I realized very quickly how difficult being a stay-at-home parent can be, but also it's kind of cool. I mean, I have, I mean, I, I lead a pretty charmed life in that sense because I get to do things that unfortunately a lot of dads don't, don't get to see. And, and I'm really appreciative of that. Um, my kids have me and how cool that. That is amazing. I, I'm speechless. I am so excited for others to hear your story and I'm so happy and excited that you shared it with us. It is very insightful it allows you to think a little bit differently and it's things that should be normal. You know, it's, it's things that people should think of this as it's a normal thing to do. And I, I empower you and I am encouraging you and I congratulate you. And I would love for guys my age that are listening to this, just question a little bit of things because this is so powerful. So thank you, Hugo. Appreciate it. Uh, it, it's been it's been my pleasure, you know, to have you know this this audience with you, and uh, yeah, I, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, if we could do it again sometime, I would appreciate that. But you, you're you're a terrific person from everything that I've heard to what I see online, and um, and that's encouraging because I think this is an old man Hugo talking here, but <laughs> I think that sometimes your generation gets a bad rap. Uh, all the time. Uh, all the time. <laughs> and uh, by Mike, by us Gen Xers, and, uh, and the reality is, is that unfortunately, you guys are now dealing with the mistakes that my crew uh, made and, and, and definitely the baby boomers and the, and the folks prior to that. And you guys have to fix a world that has a lot of problems. So I'm glad you're out there. Thank you so much. So Hugo, what road sign or tool do you wish you had seen or had that would have helped better pave your path? Well, uh, two, I think I wish I would have had the internet back in the day. <laughs> uh, I think everybody wishes that um, because I everything that I learned about in the very beginning or when I, when I was in my early 20s, I had to actually go to a library or I had to read a magazine or I had to go dig down microfiches or, you know, LexisNexis, if anybody knows what that is, anyway, still, I had to Lexus look all Nexus. that up. What's that? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's when back in college, you had to go back. It was like an old internet portal where you could look in for uh, journals and articles and stuff like that for all of your papers because you have to cite sources. Oh. Um, and so, yeah, but that meant a lot of time at the computer, at the schools, re doing the research, um, or, or in actually reading physical books. Whereas now, it's amazing. Any single time that my kids want to ask a question, I can just Google it. Yeah. And and for somebody who devours information like I do, um, I would have wished that I would have loved uh, that. And then the second one would would have been to have uh, a three dimension three dimensional parents. And what I mean by that is my dad had one lane, um, stoic, you know, hard-headed, macho. And I wish there were hints throughout his life that he had a lot more to, to him than that. There were a lot, there's a lot of stories, a lot of challenges that he overcome that I wish he had opened himself up to talking about them. And it's unfortunately that he only showed me one side of him. And so I think it's important for the, for the next generation to, to realize that parents are people too um, and it's okay for them to be fallible 
that, that, that they're human. Absolutely. Very powerful. So last question, what is one directional sign that you would give to someone getting ready to embark on a journey like yours? What I would say is, I was looking at back in 1997, uh, I'm a kind of an Apple nerd. (laughs) Um, But back in 1997, Apple was in really bad shape. And Steve Jobs had to kind of make a deal with the devil, Bill Gates back then for Microsoft, where they had to give some money to Apple uh, in order to keep it going. And there's a line that Steve said of something along the lines of that they had to get rid of the notion that for Apple to win, Microsoft had to lose. And the, the, the audience is all like, ooh, and ooh, and all that kind of stuff. And I took that to heart from the standpoint of, and what I would tell somebody is that we, we think a lot about winners and losers, that in order for me to get mine, you don't have to get yours. Mm-hmm. That in, in, in our culture sometimes is divided that way. Mm-hmm. Left or right, blue or, or, or blue or red, and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I, I've sometimes even seen that with some podcasters or some people on social media. Of, well, if I don't have, I, I should have more followers because I am smarter than X, or, or you know, I, I my podcast should be bigger than that, and and so I'm not going to support and help and, and and promote other podcasts because it's all about me. Yeah. And so what I've always felt is that, especially in a country this rich, with as many resources as as we have, is that it's limiting to be so binary about our thinking, win or lose. I I believe more in being collaborative. I I believe that it's important for us to support one another Mm -hmm. and not to see fault in not being as good as somebody else. If you keep at it, you will more often than not succeed to some way, shape, or form. But if all you're thinking about is I'm not getting mine and somebody else is getting everything that I should be getting, you're chasing the wrong thing. So I would just tell folks, be part of a community and support other people. There's virtue to that. (sighs) You have no idea how happy I am. This conversation. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm, I'm appreciative. Trust me, I, I am having a ball too. But great, great questions. Thank you. Yes. No, thank you so much for for reaching out and for participating and super, super powerful stuff. Thank you, Hugo. You betcha. Thanks so much for joining us on another episode of Life Against the Current. Remember, it's totally okay to do things and think against the current. Do you have an unconventional story or topic you'd like to share with us? Send us a message via our Instagram at Life Against the Current. Please do not forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate us, and let others know why you listen to LATC by reviewing us and spreading the word. We would really appreciate the gesture. See you in two weeks. Signing out, Elaine. <laughs>